We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I talk about Bill Maher, and I agree with him. I agree with Bill Maher. I bet you never thought you'd hear me say that on The Rebellion. Bill Maher is absolutely right. He calls out millennials and Gen Zers, younger people. He says, the problem is I don't get what you're saying or that I'm old. The problem is your ideas are just stupid. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Topic, Bill Maher and his recent commentary where he calls out the chronological snobbery of all of those that are younger than him, younger than you, younger than me. Calling out everyone who thinks their new ideas are, by definition, better than all of those ideas that preceded them. He calls out all of those who ignore the lessons of history. They refuse to learn the lessons of history because history is worthless. That's just old stuff, old ideas. We know more today. He calls out all of those who ignore the words of Cicero, who says that he who is ignorant of everything before he was born is always a child. He calls out those who ignore and don't even know of the words of George Santayana. Those who don't learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. Bill Maher calls out all of these uh, millennials, all of these Gen Zers, put whatever label you want on those that are young. And he says, the problem is I don't understand what you're saying. Oh, I get it. And the problem isn't that I'm older than you. The problem is that your ideas are stupid. Close quote, Bill Maher. That's what we'll talk about on today's show. Now remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash d-r-e-v-e-r-e-t-t-p-i-p-e-r, patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper, if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion and support what we do here on a daily basis, trying to bring you a few additional ideas, a few ideas that are good ideas, ideas that have stood the test of time. How many times have we talked about that on The Rebellion? Ideas that have stood the test of time. They're still discussed today because they've been tested over the course of history, and they've proven to be better ideas rather than bad. They've been tested by fire. They've been tested by the, in the crucible of debate, of disagreement, of iron sharpening iron, of the goodness of a little cognitive dissonance. I've said over and over again over the last week or so as I've been out on the media stump discussing my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, that the subtitle, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, implies this, that you're never going to grow up and you, unless you recognize that debate is good, disagreement is good, a little cognitive dissonance is good, that being challenged for the, the foolishness of your new ideas, 
by some of the old ideas that have been around for a while, that's good. That that's good education. That's not bad education. That's liberating education. That's not education that keeps us in bondage to our own childishness, adolescence, and foolishness. That's really the point of the book, that we need to set childish things aside. St. Paul, letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, and he says, set childish things aside. Stop being too easily satisfied with milk and start considering eating a little intellectual and spiritual and cognitive meat. Set childish things aside and grow up. And then he says essentially the same thing to the church of Ephesus. You've heard me say it. And that is, speak the truth. Stop protecting your opinions. It's not about your feelings. Speak the truth. Talk about the facts. Speak the truth in love. Love, antithesis, opposite of, antonym, to enablement. Speak the truth in love. Stop enabling and do what? Grow up. Life should be about learning to walk and not being too easily satisfied with crawling. Who among us thinks that crawling our way through life is the right thing to do? All of us recognize that we need to take a little bit of a risk every now and then. Get up off of all fours, get off of your hands and knees, stand up and try walking. It would be absurd to think that we would celebrate as adults that adults would actually celebrate anyone who was content to walk, excuse me, to crawl his way through life. A 10-year-old crawling his way through life. A 15-year-old. A 50-year-old crawling his way through life would be an absurdity because that would be stupid. To quote Bill Maher. Now, if that's true physically, then it's likewise true intellectually, cognitively. If you crawl your way through life by virtue of your childish ideas, and you never recognize that adulthood matters, then you're very dysfunctional. You've got problems. You need counseling. You don't need to be affirmed. So again, if you want to subscribe to The Rebellion, go to patreon.com backslash Dr. Ever Piper. If you want to buy the book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, go to amazon.com. Just Google that title. Life isn't, excuse me, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good. Let's take a break and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. And when I get back, we'll talk about Bill Maher's quote and a little bit more about chronological snobbery from C.S. Lewis, where the term came from, and then if we have time, Maybe a little commentary out of the chapter of Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, but it's good. The chapter titled, Walking is Better Than Crawling. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. All right, the quote from Bill Maher. Let's deal with it. Um, I'm reading from the National Review summary of this story. It's very brief. But I think it's good for us to just listen to what Bill Maher is saying. Now, again, I disagree with tons of what Bill Maher says and what Bill Maher believes. I disagree with his uh, crassness. Uh, His humor is verging on mockery. Uh, I think it's blasphemous at times. And he elevates sexual nihilism to a degree that I think is uh, problematic, to say the least. So Bill Maher and I would disagree 
on a lot. And in fact, this quote I'm going to read to you right now, Bill Maher extols Joe Biden. And he uses Joe Biden as the context to scold those people, younger people, who are skeptical of Biden because of his age. Uh, I don't think you should be skeptical of Biden because of his age. I think you should be skeptical of Biden and critical of Biden and dismissive of Biden, quite frankly, because of his terrible ideas. Not because he's an old man, but because he's a wrong man. And I think Bill Maher wrongly conflates those issues in his criticism of millennials and Gen Zers, but his criticism of them is still justified. So I'm going to read the quote to you where he blasted young people for being skeptical of Biden and also for being stupid in general, to quote National Review. Now, what Bill Maher has proven is that, once again, he's one of the only liberals out there, progressives out there. I don't know where you would put him. Sometimes I think he wants to be a classical liberal where he's just going to pursue the ideas that work, kind of like Dave Rubin. Um, but then there are other times when he gets locked into defending Biden and... Um, not recognizing that Biden's terrible ideas are actually leading to the problem that that Marr is confronting. In other words, if it weren't for Biden's bad thinking, if it weren't for Biden and the Democrat Party's bad teaching, if it weren't for their bad education that we're being um, forced into in our public school systems, elementary, secondary, as well as university educational systems in the United States, where they're being taught all of this nonsense and they're being spoon-fed all of this problem, ba- Biden is the leader of that right now because he's the poster child of the progressive movement. He's the poster child of a party who believes that all of these stupid ideas are the ideas that are going to be forced upon our schools and our school systems and our children. Biden's the one promoting the 1619 Project. Biden's the one promoting sexual nihilism and that men aren't men and women aren't women and that there's no such thing as an objective fact of the female. Biden's the one pushing that. So for Bill Maher to skip over all that, I think, is uh, a problem. But let's go back and read what Bill Maher says. Here's his actual quote in his recent monologue. America's a young country that doesn't grasp the most fundamental trade-off. You're beautiful when you're young, and you're wise when you're old. That's a take-home right there. That's very, that's very true that because we're a young country and because we have all of these millennials coming of voting age, they don't realize that there's a trade-off in life, that you're beautiful when you're young, but you become wise when you're old. There's wisdom that comes with age. Back to the quote. You're beautiful when you're young, you're wise when you're old. If, as they say, you learn something new every day, it stands to reason that someone who's logged 10,000 more days, is going to be, in general, a little wiser. And then he goes on to defend Biden. I'm going to read his portion of that quote. I disagree with this, but this is what he says. Biden is the right man for this moment precisely because he is old. You know what advertisers in this country love? They love the 18 to 34 demographic because it's the most gullible. Yeah, a third of the people under 35 say they're in favor of abolishing the police. Not defunding, but doing away with a police force altogether. Which is less of a policy position and more of a leg tattoo. 36% of millennials think it might be a good idea to try communism. But much of the world did try communism. 
I know millennials think that doesn't count because they weren't alive when it happened. But it did happen, and there are people around who remember it. Pining for communism is like pining for Betamax or MySpace. So when you say, you're old, you don't get it. Get what? Abolish the police and the border patrol and capitalism and cancel Lincoln? No, I get it. The problem isn't that I don't get what you're saying or that I'm old. The problem is, is that your ideas are stupid. You say, let's eat in the bathroom and go to the bathroom in the kitchen. I'm sanitizing this right now, by the way. You say, let's eat in the bathroom and go to the bathroom in the kitchen. Yeah, that's a new idea, but I wouldn't call it interior design. You think someone 80 is hopeless because they can't use an iPhone. Well, maybe the one who's hopeless is the one who can't stop using it. You think I'm out of it because I'm not on Twitch. Well, maybe I get Twitch, but I just think people watching other people playing video games is a waste of time. 20% of Gen Z agree with the statement, society would be better off if all property was owned by the public and managed by the government. And another 29% don't know if that's a good idea. Here's who does know. Anyone who wasn't born yesterday. Now, Bill Maher goes on, but that's the basics of his quote, of his monologue. Again, let's listen to his closing statement. Here's who does know, anyone who wasn't born yesterday. So, Maher is recognizing that there are terrible ideas out there, terrible ideas that have been tested by time to be proven terrible. And he's calling upon younger people, primarily Gen Z and millennials, to stop it. Stop the arrogance. Stop the nonsense. Stop acting like your new ideas are better by definition. Basically, what Bill Maher is doing is he's going back to the idea of chronological snobbery, which we've talked about many times on this show. I'm going to read to you a quote from C.S. Lewis's book, Surprised by Joy. Good book. You might want to consider reading it. It's really his autobiography where he talks about his conversion and how he was surprised by the things that brought joy in life. A sunset. The ocean's waves crashing on the seashore. This, this yearning to want something better, to find that desert island, to travel out into that ocean and find the beauty that caused it in the first place. This constant yearning, grasping that we all have in our soul when we stand on the edge of something grand and glorious, the Grand Canyon, the beach. Um, you stand uh, at the foot of the Rocky Mountains or you stand at the pinnacle of a mountain and you gaze across all of creation. I remember once when we were in Alaska, we were standing at the top of Mount McKinley looking across the unspoiled, the unspoiled nature of God's creation. Not a thing to be seen that was created by man. Everything that you saw before your eyes was created by God. And there's this yearning in your soul to embrace it, understand it, and just grasp the meaning of it. That's kind of what C.S. Lewis is talking about in his book, Surprised by Joy. And it's that yearning, that hunger, Lewis argued, that proved that there's got to be something out there that's the object of that hunger, that yearning. In other words, thirst was made for water. And asking questions is made for truth. There's a truth out there. Okay, we can talk about that at another time, perhaps. 
So Lewis says this about chronological snobbery. Chronological snobbery is the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate common to our own age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is on that account discredited. You must find why it went out of date, says Lewis. Was it ever refuted? And if so, by whom, where, and how conclusively was it refuted? Or did it merely die away as fashions do? In the later, this tells us nothing about its truth or falsehood. For seeing this, one passes to the realization that our own age is also a period, and certainly has, like all periods, its own characteristic illusions. They are the likeliest to lurk in the widespread assumptions which are so ingrained in the age that no one dares to attack or feels it necessary to defend them. So what Lewis is saying, I know sometimes his language is a little challenging and awkward. What he's saying is that chronological snobbery is the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate common to our own age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is by definition discredited. In other words, the stuff that we embrace today, common to our own age, all of the assumptions, the intellectual assumptions, all of the ideas that we embrace right now, common to our own age, our own time, are by definition better than everything that has preceded them and been discredited on account of time. They've gone out of date. And then he says, but was it ever refuted? And if so, by whom, where, how, and how conclusively? Or did it merely die away because it wasn't in fashion any longer? So you ask these questions of things like capitalism. Is socialism better than capitalism just because it's an idea that's in vogue? You know, who refuted capitalism? Who, where, how, and how conclusively was capitalism refuted as being inferior to modern-day socialism? Or is there evidence out there that the exact opposite might be true? You understand his point? Back to Bill Maher's statement. He concluded by saying, here's who does know, anyone who wasn't born yesterday. And if you go back to his opening statement, which is perfect, he says, America is a young country that doesn't grasp the most fundamental trade-off. You're beautiful when you're young and wise when you're old. If, as they say, you learn something new every day, it stands to reason that someone who's logged 10,000 more days than you is going to be, in general, a little wiser. Spot on. Spot on, Bill Maher. Now, again, I don't like the fact that he doesn't recognize that it's not Joe Biden's age that makes him wrong. It's his wrong ideas that make him wrong. And the idea of socialism that Joe Biden is promoting right now has been proven to be wrong, which Bill Maher actually acknowledges later on in his monologue, but he doesn't understand that it's Joe Biden himself that's bringing those bad ideas to the forefront, Kamala Harris and others doing likewise. So he's got he's to recognize that you've got to separate your concern over chronological snobbery with the objective reality that Joe Biden is wrong and stop defending him just because he's old. Make sense? C.S. Lewis also says this in another book, and this is a repeat quote, but it connects to all of this. And I'm not sure I've actually read the entire quote to you before. This is from The Great Divorce. His earlier quote was from Surprised by Joy, which is not a fiction. It's his actual spiritual autobiography. His 
evolution as a person, his development as a person from agnosticism to atheism to mysticism to Christianity. If you want to get a good defense of that progress, that growth, that maturity, all good, right? Where he stopped crawling his way through life as an agnostic, and he stopped stumbling his way through life, bumping into the reality of conflicting ideas and the reality of God's creation as an atheist. And when he stopped um, arrogantly assuming that mysticism was better just because it was kind of cool and in vogue, and he also, he actually decided that he had to do a little research and look at the lessons of history and start reading about religion, reading about competing worldviews, and start assessing and analyzing, and as, as an adult, which one of those ideas, those religious ideas, those ontological, epistemological, teleological ideas actually worked better, proved themselves to be superior than the other ideas. Was it the uh, Greek mythology of the past? Did that prove to be superior to the Christian reality of the Gospels? He concluded, obviously, that the Gospels were true. He called it the true myth. The reason he said that is all the other myths were reflection of that yearning, that hunger to find reality and the revelation of Jesus Christ incarnate, the word made flesh and dwelling among us, was the actual codification, the writing of God on history itself, the true myth, the true story that brought meaning and explanation, revelation and reality to all those other myths, those fantasies that preceded it. Here's Lewis's quote from The Great Divorce on chronological snobbery. Now, again, The Great Divorce is a book. It's a fiction. It's, a story. it's, my, it's my favorite book, I guess. It's my favorite book of C.S. Lewis's. It's the story of a bus ride from hell to heaven. A bus pulls up in hell and asks a bunch of folks there if they'd like to get on and take a ride to heaven. And several do. Several get on the bus. And the rest of the story, the rest of the book, is about this bus ride from hell to heaven. When they get to the gates of heaven, they're given the opportunity of entering in. No one does except one person. Everyone on the bus chooses to go back to hell and be masters of their own misery rather than enter into heaven and be slaves, servants of the Savior, Jesus Christ. They'd rather be masters of their misery than be subservient to Christ. But there's one person who does stay, and we can cover that in a different time, I suppose. But one of the realities of this book, The Great Divorce, is he covers the dialogue that um, the bus driver has with the various different people on the bus and why they would prefer to go back to hell rather than enter into heaven. And one of the people on the bus is an intellectual. He's a faculty member, a fellow of C.S. Lewis's, probably, at Oxford. And the guy arrogantly says, no, I don't like these ideas of heaven. I want to go back to the superior ideas of hell, is essentially what he says. So Lewis challenges this arrogance, this chronological, this, uh, we don't know that it's chronological snobbery yet, but when I read this quote, you'll see that it is. He challenges this arrogance, this academic arrogance, this uh, man who thinks he's got it all together, that all of his ideas are better than these crazy antiquated ideas of these people who actually want to even think about entering into heaven. We're, we're better than that. We don't believe in this superstition anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. And Lewis says this, 
let us be frank. Our opinions were not honestly come by. We simply found ourselves in contact with a certain current of ideas, and we plunged into it because it seemed modern and successful. At college, you know that you and I just started automatically writing the kind of essays that got good marks and saying the kind of things that won applause. When in our whole lives did we honestly face in solitude the one question upon which it all turned? Whether, after all, the supernatural might not, in fact, have occurred. When did we put up one moment's real resistance to the loss of our faith? Close quote, C.S. Lewis. In my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, in the first chapter, titled, Walking is Better Than Crawling, I'm obviously painting this picture. Like I said earlier, anybody who's content to crawl their way through life is a dysfunctional person by definition. I say this in the book. Millennials and the generation that follows them are seeking to prolong their teenage years. They've clenched their fists and dug in their heels as they've been pushed to adulthood, resisting with every ounce of their being. While they've resisted, the natural progression of life, choosing instead to arrest their own development. They've forced their absurd childish demands on the rest of society. The snowflake rebellion and the need for endless coddling are now playing out in every corner of American life. They don't just want to stew in their extended adolescence. They want to remake American government in their image. They advocate for an overbearing government with policies that bring more dependency, less personal responsibility, and one could argue more prolonged adolescence and immaturity. But then I conclude by saying this, but lest you think I'm just blaming millennials and Gen Zers, let me be clear. Blame also lies with their parents. Many of the ideas the boomers institutionalized have set the stage for this dysfunction. That's where I disagree with Bill Maher. He's not recognizing that everyone's ideas are stupid unless they're tested against the measuring rod outside of those things being measured. And that the ideas of the boomers that they institutionalized are coming home to roost. Bad ideas in, bad culture out. And that the only solution is good ideas in and good culture out. You have to return to the goodness of the gospel. You have to return to the measuring rod outside of those things being measured. Again, we're spending a lot of time on C.S. Lewis today, but we, as adults, Bill Maher, have gelded the stallion, and now we bid him be fruitful, and we're surprised that he can't. We've cut out the organ. We've cut out the soul. We've cut out the mind of our progeny. We've gelded the stallion, and now we bid him be fruitful, and it's not going to happen. So yes, Bill Maher, I agree with you. I applaud you. Thank you for pointing out that millennial ideas, Gen Zer ideas, are just stupid. But we need to recognize that we're the ones, the adults among us, are the ones who have been teaching those stupid ideas. The only solution is to realize that in times of universal deceit, truth, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.